He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. What's up, Slick Talkers? I hope you're well. And this is a personal intro. Instead of doing like the whole normal Slick Talk intro where it's a catchy clip and the intro music plays and all this stuff, I wanted to personally sit down and kind of introduce this episode to you. It's a personal one. Like this is going to get a little deep. And I wanted to just give you guys a heads up on what this topics are all about and kind of goes into my story more than I probably shared on a public platform ever. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, I hope this gives you a sneak peek into my background as Will Slickers, the guy who was a hotel manager to short-term rental operator and podcaster full-time. We go into topics like depression and the struggles and mindset and really you know, trying to put a positive spin on, you know, designing your life, designing your day, creating more moments of joy throughout your business, your life, your day to day. And so I hope you guys can find this as an insightful conversation. I truly enjoyed it. It went a little bit different than me and Dave had expected. If you don't know Dave Krause and the Rent Responsibly team, then you need to. This was their fireside chat. And so they did a webinar all about sustainability in all these different facets of, of the world. And so David and I got to open it up and we had the fireside chat about designing your life and work-life harmony. And for me, my story and my background was exactly around the lack of it that I had to create and going through the struggle. And there is a part in this episode where I get a little emotional. So if you hear that, then I hope you know that I truly you know, want to be transparent with everybody. And so Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode and listen to me kind of ramble on, but I just want to give you guys a heads up on what you're getting into. You may cry, you may, you know, find it a little deep. So if you do, you know, take it as you will. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, Nathan, welcome back to A Minute with Minute on Slick Talk. And we're going to jump into the question today of what is the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to what Minute does and doesn't do? Great question, Will. I, I think the biggest misunderstanding is probably that we do more than just noise. Uh, I know we'll cover that in another Minute with Minute. So for now, I'm going to major specifically on the noise feature itself. Many people think that we can let you know when there's noise in your unit and that's the end. But what we can actually do uh, with our pro account is import the data for your guests when they're staying, what's their phone number, et cetera, and then allow you to automate communication with that guest when there's a noise event. So what we hear from many of our users is after sending even one text message to the guest, letting them know that there's noise, they tend to quiet down because they don't realize that they're being noisy. So in many cases, if you use our automation, you may actually resolve the problem with no input from yourself, just an automated message from the system asking them to quiet down, and then the noise issue is over. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. A minute with minute, and now back to the episode. So with that, I want to sit down with my good friend, Will Slickers of Hospitality FM for our opening session, which is a fireside chat. And we are going to be discussing all things surrounding work-life harmony, and we're going to go pretty deep. So welcome, Will. Hey, Dave. Good to see you, my man. I'm excited to kick this off. Nice, brother. For those who don't know you, which maybe is becoming a slimmer and slimmer minority in the industry, I'd love for you to tell us in this space, 
people fall into to short-term rentals. There's, there's no college degree for it. So what is your story? How did you personally get into the STR industry? Yeah, from a 3,000 foot view, I'll try to keep it short. I stumbled into a hotel after a failed entrepreneurial experience trying to do a chauffeur company. And from that experience, I actually fell in love with the hospitality industry. And then my parents were like, hey, we have this apartment. It's two bed, two bath. It's in a great destination. It was remote and quiet, but they hated the long-term tenants. And they were like, this sucks. We heard about this thing called Airbnb. Maybe you can help us manage this as if it was a hotel because you have that hotel management experience. Just like everybody else, I very much stumbled into short-term rentals by exposure through my parents, which I was shocked because normally they're not the ones to inform me on new things like Airbnb or other stuff that's happening in the world. It's very much the opposite. So it was a good entry into the industry. That's awesome. A, fa a family affair. Yeah. I had a similar experience where my mom offered to be the first cleaner and didn't realize how much turnover can happen. So she was my first helper employee, but also my most disgruntled and quit <laughs> after a few turns. She didn't know what she was getting into. But Will, you might be one of the most busy, active folks that I observe, I watch in the industry. So I'm curious for everybody listening, let's go a little bit behind the veil, right? You're on the mic, you're on the screen right now. But when you're not, what is a typical day in your life? And maybe there's not typical, but what packs your day that we don't see? Yeah. If you saw my Google calendar, you'd probably be really scared. It's a lot of meetings. It's more meetings and phone calls than one probably could endure. But I very much just am, it's all about people and relationships as this theme is people, place, and planet. People is very much a part of my day-to-day. -day. So with that, behind the scenes, outside of doing calls and meetings and strategy plans and media concepts and all this other stuff, that's very much working with my team one-on-one -on, -one on individual levels. Everyone has their own individual role. So helping them, making sure that they're having streamlined processes that if they have questions, they know there's a resource for it or that at least I'm available to answer to make a resource for it and all the other things in between. I'm also co-founder of Recreation Rentals, another RR out there, which is a management company. We have about 10 properties throughout Florida, Indiana, and Washington State. And with that comes a lot of other challenges on top of the media business, which is my day-to-day, -day, but the management company also takes a, a little sliver of my time. Jeez, man, that's 24 hours. And we often talk at Rent Responsibly about the 25th hour, how people in this space just find a 25th hour, which I would say is part of what in, in our prep call, we talked about this a little bit, but this kind of entrepreneur's disease, right? We can't look at things that we could possibly solve and not try to and oftentimes that is the always oh, yeah. like more mentality. You certainly have that bug, but it doesn't lead well to what is traditionally called work-life balance, right? But mm. we know that we're here to talk a little bit about a phrase you used called work-life harmony. And I love that phrase. Tell me exactly what work-life harmony means to you. And how does that work? What What is the necessity of that for you? Yeah. And to start with a disclaimer, I think is really important for people to know work-life balance, work-life harmony can be very similar and 
my work-life harmony is not going to be the same as your work-life harmony. So just know that when I'm sharing mine for any of the are on this call now, I'm single with no kids, no spouse, no nothing. So my work-life harmony is very much different and it will change. So that's the thing I think going into this conversation of work-life balance and work-life harmony beyond work, what is that? And it's something that can be consistent, but it will change and it will go in phases over time. So when I use this word harmony, I think about work-life balance. It makes it sound like you're trying to pick and choose who you prioritize, what you prioritize, all this other stuff. And for me, when I think of work-life harmony or just life harmony, I think about how do I design my day? How do I design my life? How am I designing my actions or using as you've used as an example, Dave, in the beginning about core values, how do my core values and how do our company core values lead my everyday decisions that I'm already doing? And so for me, that brings harmony because then I don't really have to pick and choose on, oh, do I chase this next shiny object, which we like recently just had a project that we were working on. And I was like, you know what, this actually isn't aligning up with everything we're all try already trying to build. So we need to put this on pause and being able to make that decision and have peace about that to me is a sense of harmony in my life where it's an easy decision because my natural core values and natural instincts are already saying, no, this is already the direction we're going. We need to stay focused. And another kind of word without rambling on is to go into moments of joy. I think a lot of people look at work-life balance as, hey, I'm going to work nine to five or whatever their hours and schedule is. And then my sense of enjoyment is the two hours at night where I'm watching Netflix, Love is Blind, or when I'm scrolling through TikTok, or when I'm talking to a buddy at a bar. And that's their only moment of joy or fulfillment at the end of the day. Rather, for me, I try to say, okay, when I'm designing my day, where am I getting joy in the most amount of moments throughout the day, rather than just at the end where I'm not working. And so trying to make more enjoyable and fulfilling. And again, that core value piece is really important because that naturally will lead as long as you're self-aware and know who you really are internally, that should naturally come out and be able to be an easy thing for you to do. So hopefully that kind of helps explain work-life harmony a little bit. Yeah. And I, I commend you for being so clear about that with your values and looking for the moments of joy, but I'm going to, I'm going to go a little deeper here, Will, because that sounded a little too perfect. I'm sure you have had times that were not as harmonious in your work-life relationship with one another. Can you go back a little bit? Like what helped you get to that understanding that you need to lead with your values and use that prism and then look for these moments of joy? And we're going to start going in a direction, which is what hardships uh, have led to what you've built? So let's go back before you had that very clear understanding of how you needed to structure your day. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of this is very new for me. It's been something I've become really obsessed with. So when I'm talking about like work-life harmony and all these things, these are things I'm very actively seeking and engaging now versus if you met me in 2017 or any time before even going full-time with my podcast, I would say I had no harmony in my life at all. I went from completely chaotic to completely unfulfilled and completely empty in the sense of where do I find purpose? Where is my passion? Why can I never stick to one job? Or why could I never have a friend group that lasted longer than a certain period of time? Why was I always trying to move and run away from this stuff? And to be honest, something I don't really get to share 
much about is my kind of life before entrepreneurship, which is I was homeless right after high school. I very much struggled with depression and suicide and other pieces of anxiety and just lacking the sense of who I was as a person. I never knew who Will Slickers was because I was always told my whole life, you're meant to be like, I'll use this as an example. My parents have always told me growing up and sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening that, Hey, but you were, you're, you were called to be a pastor. I was supposed to be a church pastor leading people at the altar and like doing all that stuff. And that just was something I was doing for other people. So I was always living my life for the sense of others' expectations. And that for me was the biggest moment of awakening when I realized, holy crap, I am not fulfilled in anything I'm doing, even though I'm on this great path or I've gone through these struggles and I've overcome homelessness and joined the military and got myself clean and did all this other stuff. And at the end of the day, I was still living that life off of others' expectations, which then turned on that light bulb of, oh, my life has no harmony because the life I'm living is for other people. What a journey. I was not aware of all of that, but I, if you're okay with it, I want to go back mm -hmm. to some of these phases that you built, because it sounds like you you built yourself to be this way. Was there a moment where you hit a pivot or a inflection point where you just said, I'm going to stop being a victim of something that might be internal or external, and I'm just going to take control? Do you remember any moments or like that? I would say one of the biggest moments, particularly off the top of my head, was when I was going through the like army basic training and the AIT school that I had to go through for the, my military job, which was, I was a truck driver, but I just remember I went in weighing 115 pounds and I came out 175 pounds and very wow. confident and very much like I, I walked with like my head held high, my shoulders were back. Like I could just see a change in difference. And that, I think when going through that experience and previously before the moment of going into basic training and everything, I was literally shoveling horse manure for a hundred dollars a week. That was my only living. I was living and sleeping in my geo Metro. So for me, there was a big shift and change. And I think after I got out, it was okay. I need to, I, I saw what I could become if I continued down that right path of pursuing physical health, mental health, learning how to regulate my emotions. And so that was very much a big change in my life to where getting exposed to entrepreneurship and not having to do a nine to five job. Cause I never felt like I fit in with any job. It was just like, ah, there was nothing that I was excited about and that I felt it was worth the paycheck. And so I think just from that moment forward, it really catapulted me to really take that time. And it wasn't overnight. Trust me, this was years. This has been years and years of really difficult times and like really seeking a lot of counseling and mentorship and self-reflection. And again, like that internal look, which is something you and I have talked about, Dave, where, you know, it's who are you when no one else is around? Yes, microphone is on, the camera's on right now. I can share all the stuff, but when I go away... Who am I? What's my personality? What's going through my head? That's going to show true characteristics. And that's the same question anyone can ask themselves too. Hopefully that answers your question for that moment of change. Not only do I think it answered my question, but it probably answered a lot of, and maybe validated what a lot of the listeners are hearing. Everybody experiences life differently, but I think there are some similarities. And one of those is this voice in your head. 
right? It's a hater. It's the shadow. It's negative. It's pessimistic. It's you can't do it. It wants to hold you back. It tells you all the reasons you can't. And I'm curious for you, and I'm assuming you have that internal asshole too, but how do you manage that? How do you fight back the doubts and the fears? Getting on stage is not an easy thing to do for many, but have you learned any tactics? It sounds like you've come a heck of a long way. Help us understand what tools are in your toolbox. Yeah, I will say there's a part of it is a natural gift where I love people. I love getting to know people and hearing their stories. So like podcasting for me came very naturally where it's literally a conversation to pull out information that you're curious about and wanting to know. So that natural instinct really has been a big help for me personally. But again, I'm not to play a cheese and this wasn't planned in the sense of going into these answers, but the people piece is really important. And when I took accountability on myself, and then I also took account of who I was surrounding myself in earlier days through high school, leading up into my military time to after my military time, and even to today, the people around me really are such a important aspect of my life, whether I see them every day in person, or if I talk to them on the phone, or if they're just with me in spirit in the sense of there's a deep bond and connection so that I know if I never talked to for two years over a phone call or a beer or whatever, I know that tomorrow, if I got into a bad car accident or if anything bad happened to me, or if I had to go home for a family emergency, I can still talk to that person and reach out and they would be right there. So finding those people is super important. I think having that that peer group of friends and family and people that become family, shout out to Dana Lubner on the Rent Responsibly team. She is technically not related to me in any shape or form, but we call each other brother and sister because there's just that bond where you just feel so connected and so relatable. And just there's that piece that I know if I needed anything, I could call Dana, like immediately she would be there. To answer that part of the question, my tool belt, it really does come down to people. And one of the exciting things that I was really pumped about this conversation was building communities, especially virtually. I've been doing podcasting full-time since 2019. So having an audience of people you don't see face-to-face and all this other stuff is really, that's hard. That's really hard because you don't know how their body language is, if they're paying attention, if their facial reactions are changing as you're talking. There's You're literally talking to this thing right here and you're hoping that people like what you have to say. And so building that community and see it turn from a virtual listenership to a in-person and then a social media following and whatever that piece becomes, it becomes a very core community of what I like to call super fans. So something we can always jump into later, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, I think people for me is just the most important piece in my tool belt outside of lots of self-work and learning how to become more confident and comfortable and articulate and all these other things. So hopefully that helps. Totally. Does it help? It's part, It's a theme for a reason, right? This industry especially is about people. We're not you're welcoming people into your world and then you're hoping that they go away with a great experience. If you'll allow me, I want to go back to something you mentioned even further back when you were talking about at a high school and you you mentioned you you battled depression and worse with thoughts of suicide. Let's assume there's at least one person listening who's in that space right now. Can you talk us through how you two questions here. How you got yourself to a place where that wasn't your 
you're feeling your affliction. And then number two is what benefits, and this is a tough word to throw in there, but how has it made you stronger now? How has it impacted your life now? And this is, I'll just, as you think of your answer and get into it, this is near and dear to my heart too. So maybe I'm one of those people you're speaking to. Yeah. To be honest, the way I got out of it and trust me, it's not, again, I want anyone who's listening, watching a part of this session is not a, there's no linear line to perfection or recovery or whatever you want to call it. It's still something not that I battle with, but I have to consistently work on to not let myself go down that road because it can be self-destructive. It can be very much very dark. So getting out of it for me, it, it wasn't like a plan of, oh, I'm going to get out of my depression. And because when you're depressed, like you don't want to do anything and you feel extreme emotion. So for me, it, it literally blew up. Like I, I got to the point of hiding it so much and putting on a mask and faking my life that the big piece, and I said this earlier, is the living your life off of other people's expectations was the most eye-opening thing I've ever experienced from a self-awareness point of view, if that makes sense. So once I realized I was doing things for others, not because they were forcing me to do it, not because I had a gun to my head or anything like that, but like literally because I love people so much that sometimes I was just like, all right, I'm going to do it. Cause you know, my mom says this, or my youth pastor said that growing up, or this friend is really suggesting that this is a gift. And I should run with this or whatever. Once I realized I was doing that, it literally became the most freeing thing ever to the point of where now the benefit of going through depression and suicide, like suicidal, like thoughts and all this other stuff is that I now have the empathy to meet people where they're at when they're going through something like that. And a great example, I, I don't know if anyone on the call today or even you, Dave, like if you're a fan of Simon Sinek, but I saw a podcast episode with him and basically going into the relationship and the people piece is that a lot of friends will say when you're going through something like that, okay, let me know when you're better, man. I hope you get better and they'll give you a pat on the back and just like move along. The true friends where... And again, not saying that other people that say that aren't true friends. Some people just don't know how to handle it. But now going through that experience, having the empathy to be like, if Dave came up to me or if anyone came up to me and said, well, I'm struggling with depression and all this kind of darkness inside my head, I don't have to say, okay, I hope you get better. Let me know when you're okay. It's all right. I'm here. Let's go. Let's go through this together. I don't want you to be there. Like, I'm not going to leave. I'm in this moment with you. I'm going to be through this with you. I don't need you to wait to get better. I can walk you through what I went through and I can be, it's a very lonely, dark road. And I think when people share that they're going through something like that, they get that response of, oh man, everything will be better tomorrow or tomorrow's a new day. And uh, you don't want to hear that when you're depressed. Let's be honest. You don't care. Like it, it's a cliche thing. Sometimes you just want people to say, I'm here. Let's go. How can I help? And not things. So having the empathy, I think it's the biggest benefit from my point of view, I'm happy to say that like I went through depression and really dark moments. So that way I can be more relatable. I can be more empathetic and I can be a better maybe ear or resource for anyone who's going through that. All right, Slick Talkers, now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast. 
I would love to introduce you to Vintory and Safely. About Vintory, we've had Brooke Fotts on the podcast, who is a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Vintory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at Safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within three business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I, as somebody who's battled that too, I feel what you just said touches me like in the feels, but like in the in the part of your soul that makes you human, that ability to connect is something that there's no conclusive evidence that we're the only species, but certainly we are a species that can help pull people up when they need it. And I really appreciate you saying that. Jumping around a little bit on our call ahead of time, I wanted to ask you a question and you rephrased it even, and it was, who is will slickers when he's by himself alone with his thoughts and then just so you're aware the Mm follow-up is who was will slickers when he was alone with his thoughts 10 years ago so take it either now and then or then and then now whichever you you want the evolution of will when he's by himself thinking about whatever you're thinking about help us understand your evolution there Yeah, I'll do then and then now. I think it will help paint a bigger picture, but there's a lot of, there's actually some similarities between then and now. The similarity back then was chaos. It was my brain was constantly going. I needed to constantly be busy, constantly doing something, talking to people, putting that thought of depression and sadness in the back of my head to drown it out to then today, the similarity is that I'm still constantly going and thinking, but I have the control and the ability to be by myself and happy about it and not avoiding situations. I'm able to understand like, Hey, I'm feeling a certain way. Why do I feel this way? What is the route I can go? Is this something I can solve now? Or I just need to let sit or whatever that is. Back then, I was never able to do that. It was constant avoidance run, drown out with alcohol, partying, poor relationships with significant other stuff like that, like finding any type of distraction to today, I can be totally comfortable by myself in my own thoughts and being fulfilled and still not having to chase something. Yes, my brain is constantly 
going and I'm firing on all cylinders. I struggle with sleeping because I have all these ideas or thoughts and I replay conversations in the back of my head. I'm very analytical. So I love to make sure that I'm approaching situations with intentionality. So going in to back 10 years ago, constantly drowning out things to constantly finding distractions and constantly when I did have a moment of silence, it was a very sad moment of silence, to be honest. It was a, why am I here? I don't want to be here. What if I just stopped? What if I just didn't exist? And today it's where can I continue to impact others? How can I have harmony in my relationships? How can I have harmony in my friendships, my family, my business? And it's more of how can I feel more fulfilled now more than ever that I want to pour back into everything around me because I know the more you give that the more fulfilled I will be from a, what do you call it? Not a take standpoint, but I want to give more than I ask for. So that way, when I do ask, it's really important. It's intentional. It's thought out. And sometimes we do need that. Sometimes I do need to call my best friend and say, Hey man, can I have 30 minutes of your time to just talk about a heartbreak or to talk about a really bummer moment that I just need to vent about and just be done with that type of stuff. So hopefully that kind of shapes a picture. The chaos is still there in the sense of the brains firing on cylinders, but one's a distraction mode and completely trying to avoid. The other one is completely content and intentional and planned and regulated and actually wanting to go further rather than the other one wanting to go backwards. Wow. Very articulate. And 10 years ago, now knowing that the Will Slickers who's on this podcast, which it will turn into, was there. Do you think you had in your soul or your the deepest part of your heart or your brain, did you know that this Will Slickers was in there? Or was this something that evolved and you just didn't know that you had this version inside of you? To be honest, I had no clue. I at 18, I couldn't see, I couldn't, I didn't, there are some moments in it, it. I'm very thankful for these moments. Not gonna lie. Like they're, they were horrible, but I'm very thankful for them today. There was moments where I couldn't see when my next meal was going to be. I had to sleep on my stomach to make the stomach pains go away. Cause I was so hungry. So that for me was, I was very short-sighted. I was very much, I just need to get to tomorrow. I just need to, I just need to get to tonight so I can sleep or I just need to wake up and get to my job so I can try to earn some money to hopefully be able to put 20, bu 20 bucks of gas in my car, that type of thing. So I was very much in that space. But once I realized I needed to change my environment, which again, the maybe not the best route, so I don't suggest everyone to do this, is was for me was to join the military. Like I just need, I was like, okay, I need to get out of my hometown. I need to get out of this kind of rut I'm in. And that was for me a change of environment, which was super great for me. And then once I had that taste of, oh, I can walk with my head held high. Like this is a very different feeling. I've never felt this. To then having that little taste, I think I just couldn't get enough. And that was when just rippled and I wanted to be better for myself. And I have someone very near and dear, close to my heart who, ooh, Actually, it almost makes me a little bit emotional right now to think about, but my, my twin brother who has Down syndrome, and he has been my my everything, my, my best friend, and thinking about life without him and his impact on me, and it just, it was one of those things and one of those moments where I couldn't go backwards. I had to move forward. Excuse me. His impact was really a big 
cornerstone in my life and something that I look at and reflect on almost on a daily basis. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't think I would get emotional on that part. So forgive me for that. You're forgiven and not, not necessary. Can we talk about your brother a little bit? It sounds like he's had a profound impact on your life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. Tell me, I, tell me, it. I'll frame it a little bit too. My, my mother was a professor of social policy for families that had a family member with developmental disabilities. And that was what she studied. It was, she advocated for more support for families with a family member with developmental disabilities. And that proximity for me, and we had Christmas parties where it was just all sorts of people that came in and I got to know a lot of people over a long period of time. Tell me a little bit about your brother and how he's perhaps opened your eyes. Yeah. To give some context for everybody, my, my brother, so we're twins. He's one minute older and he does have Down syndrome, but he's very high functioning. The best personality you can think of growing up, I'm the seventh child of seven. So five wow. sisters, my one brother and growing up, it was completely normal for me. My brother was my brother. I knew no other thing. I would have friends ask, what's wrong with your brother? Or why, when will your brother be normal? And I was just like, what are you talking about? This is TJ. Like, come on. So to me, there was a big learning curve when I got older that I was like, oh, okay. Down syndrome is a real thing. There's things like autism and cerebral palsy and other developmental and mental development. I don't know what you would call it, but things out there that people have. And it was like, okay, cool. It means no different to me, but with him growing up, especially being like super depressed and going through high school and, and other things like that, he, like, it was just crazy. Cause I would be so insecure around people and I would be so insecure at doing a sport or whatever. And he was grab live. He was just like, yeah, let's go. He was all about it. And part of me struggled, and this is something I had to go through in my early, like 19, 20, 21 year, years of not, it wasn't a jealousy, but it was like a, man, I wish I could embody that. And then it's, it's a thing that's become a more of a daily question now is like, what would TJ do? How would TJ react? Because even if it is like a negative in situation, he is able to, again, Again, he's very high functioning. So like he is high energy, but when someone's sad or someone's hurting, he's able to, again, meet them there and just have that sense of care. And I don't know, empathy is a probably overused word, but that sense of like, all right, I love you. And how can I help? And is there, can I grab somebody? Can I get you an ice pack or whatever? He just has that sense of nurture. And so for me now, especially being in the hospitality industry, I have a mission and drive for like one, him to be more involved in my day-to-day -day because He's impacted me so much. And then with the available tools and resources for him to have a job that he's fulfilled in, he just wants to be with people. So it's not very hard to give him something to have that sense of fulfillment. So yeah, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but he very much, his just personality and sense of joy and, and spirit to me is something I look at as an example of if he can get through any life difficulty, which we almost lost him in 2019. Teen, I think he had a really bad diabetic moment where we didn't know he was diabetic and he lost all this weight and his blood sugar went up to 800 and he almost went to a diabetic coma and it was just really bad. But to see what he's gone through and see how he does his own diabetes medicine, he regulates his own numbers, he counts his calories, again, being going through all of that and he's still able to wake up every day really excited. It just is, it means everything to me and how I can 
try to do better and resemble that as well. Super glad you shared that. And the idea of asking yourself, what would TJ do? I feel like just, I've seen you and your brother in various social media and whatnot, and he's never without a smile on his face. And I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that. Will, you're a thought leader, which is a, like the word empathy, maybe a little overused, but you really have in the course of our friendship, taken, I'd say, an elevated role, seen you on stage multiple times, even in the last couple of months. Um, I think your voice is in your megaphone, naturally with Hospitality FM growing, is getting bigger. And I, whether you like it or not, that's a hat and a role. And I think you do like it, which is great. But what impact do you hope to have? What, what do you want to do with your voice? Forward looking now, we've done a lot of retro. Where is Will in 10 years? What are you doing in 10 years? Great question, Dave. If I could maybe go 10 years, I have to be honest, I haven't really thought a realistic answer. I have a, an idealistic answer, but it's a, it is a fun role. It comes with its perks and it comes with its downfalls. But I would say there's a quote that I heard a long time ago. And actually it's funny that it popped up on one of my Facebook memories like three days ago. And the quote was leadership is earned and not given. And I think for me, I feel I'm not, I didn't intentionally start doing podcasting and HFM in the sense of trying to become like this big thought leader. I just, in my head, when I started like to give some context in the back of 2018, when I started my podcast, I just wanted to create a source for people that were like me that weren't good at school. I, didn't, I wasn't a great high schooler. I dropped out of college within like three months. So I wasn't great at school. And I learned through different ways of conversation and visualization and other things like that. So the podcast was just a natural resource for me to do that naturally and for free. Whereas I get you on my show. I ask you a bunch of questions. I learned something from you. And now HFM or Hospitality FM, the way we're seeing it is becoming more than just a podcast network, we call ourselves a record label for creators. And our goal and mission is to take creators or from take a podcast and turn it into a media company. Dave Krause has a podcast two years ago. Dave Krause now has a podcast, a book, a potential TV show in the works, maybe a mastermind or two, his own live event in person with his listeners there in the room. You become a media company. So in 10 years, I would love to see us in the sense of no, I think making hospitality more mainstream is we're a very niche category, but turning that more mainstream and letting the different segments, whether it's short-term rentals or hotels or restaurants or tech or people that are entrepreneurial in this space to be a platform for new exposure, for new audiences, for new travelers, new employees, new workers and everything. We want to become the platform that people know and trust and can learn and take value and laugh and cry and have all these things with and then build again to lean into the people part of the seminar is to turn the listener into a super fan where they trust they have that relationship with the thought leaders in our industry and are able to really have a sense of community and belonging deeper than clocking in and clocking out at their job. That's a vision, man. That is awesome. And I love the idea of a media company for creators and having the tools and providing those tools. I think a lot of creatives and creators are not inclined to build systems and 
research a bunch of software to figure out something that maybe you've already figured out. So shout out to you for that. Bringing back this work-life harmony concept and what you just Mm -hmm. went through with the vision, the 10 years out, and also where you are now, I know it's a lot of growth and a lot of things to manage. Let's talk about your habits, if you don't mind, on a daily basis. Do you have tentpole or must-do everyday habits, keystone habits? And if so, share with us a little bit about your routines and habits. Yeah, I think you're also in the same boat, but I completely got rid of social media on my phone. Notifications and distractions like that, they give that immediate dopamine hit. And I realized the more I cut that out and give myself smaller surges of it in one time period rather than scattered throughout the whole day, it's been way more beneficial for my mental focus. I'm not distracted when I'm building out an SOP for onboarding a new podcast or a production plan or whatever. I'm actually able to sit down for two hours and just knock it out. So getting rid of social media on my phone was super key. I am an early bird. I naturally wake up around 5, 5.30. I'll probably lay in bed till six so I can just, just get myself mentally ready with all the thoughts that are immediately going through my head, going through my agenda. I try, I don't make it every day, but I try to work out in the morning. If I don't work out in the morning, I'll at least go for a good two mile walk or some kind of exercise where I get my heartbeat above 95 beats per minute. Super important to to get that sweat. For me, I think you just need to get above 95 and then you're pretty, that's better than nothing, right? I'm working on diet. I'm very picky eater. So the diet part is just, I am an intermittent pastor. I don't really eat much in the morning. I'll have a big lunch or a big dinner do usually about two meals. And I try to stick to three cups of coffee a day, no more than that, or else I'll be screwed. So that's kind of like some like personal habits, but block off my calendar on specific events and specific times of the week where um, I have a high level thinking time scheduled every day from 6.30 to about 8.30, where it's, I can journal, I can read, I can focus on the really important CEO visionary tasks. And then after 9.30, I need to move into kind of either meeting prep, slacks, which is just getting back to my team or to any of our podcasters who are working on projects or certain deadlines. And then from there, I usually start meetings from about 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. my time, which can be 4 p.m. PST or 7 p.m. EST. But I usually try to stop after that. And then I work on any other projects that needed. Tuesdays are content days, so I only do recordings and events on Tuesdays. It's usually my go-to day uh, just so I get batch it all out and make sure I don't have to like constantly be editing or recording stuff and focus on just normal operations. But yeah, that's my routine. Dan, you got it dialed, man. That's awesome. The harmony I think comes from the habits and the structure, I'm sure. I think we have time for one more question. I'm just curious, who inspires you? Give me one or two people that you are inspired by. I know your brother is one of them. So maybe add one to that list or two. Inspired. I was so to share more past context. When I was going through a really hard time before I started getting out of that, I was a, a man who was, I was very close friends with his daughters growing up in like middle school and high school. We all were in the same not group or click, but we just, our parents all knew each other and we grew up knowing each other. So family events, birthdays, we'd always see each other. And his name is Mark Crawford. And he has been one of the biggest impacts in my life and has inspired me at a very, if we look at like a seed planting moment, 
he inspired me through just a simple dinner. He cooked me dinner for the first time when I was again, like homeless going through this like really rough time. And he cooked me dinner, sat me down and was like, Will, what are you going to do? What's your five-year plan? How are you going to get out of this? What are we going to, what do you need? And to this day, he's become one of the biggest mentors of my life. So being able to like call Mark and just tell him and him for him to see where that conversation has led has been really great. So Mark Crawford, shout out to you if you ever listen to the, to this stuff. He's a big inspiration. He's built multiple businesses to multiple successful exits and just a great family man too. So like when I look at what I want to become when I'm a dad and a husband, like that's who I look towards as an inspiration. And another person is actually, so one of my biggest lessons this year, which we've only had a few short months in 2023, has been that I'm very much not inspired by people that have done more than me or have been more successful or whatever the kind of criteria is. Actually, I'm very inspired by my peers who I work with on a day-to-day, who are building at the same time that I'm building and we're just figuring this shit out together. Excuse my language. A big shout out to two people that go together would be Natalie Palmer and Tatiana Taylor-Tate. They inspire me very much. They put on the Level Up Your Listing Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona that was focused around women and short-term rentals and how they've just built the example of podcaster to media company for me is super inspirational. And if I could resemble them more in a day-to-day, I would and try. So they're great people and big shout out to them. And shout out to the fact that they'll be on, I believe tomorrow afternoon. Awesome. That is a very organic embedded promo, but yeah, uh, we tried to cover a lot here. Will, thank you so much. I think another over used word might be vulnerable, but you are just authentic as they come and true north in terms of how you conduct yourself. So you are an inspiration to me. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.